economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Nate Johnson, the producer and graduate assistant for the Gortney Institute. Today on our show, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gortney Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. And finally, Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gortney Professor of Economic Education and Research. All right. So Dr. Clark came up with an idea that we should all take a personality test and not sure where this episode is going to take us, but we'll have some fun, see if we can learn anything about ourselves or challenge the results one way or the other. So Justin, why don't you lead us on this? Yeah, sure. So there are a number of online tests you can take that purport to rate you in what's called the MTBI or the Myers-Briggs personality distinctions. And these range, they usually come in four letters. So you might hear that somebody say like, I'm an ENFJ or I'm an INFP or something like that. And these relate to four areas and they purport to type you as you're this type of person or this type of person. And I think that knowing how this test rates you can kind of give you a a second person's take on your own personality. So one of the things that I always think is that we don't know ourselves very well. And I think this might be a way in which you can get a second perspective on your own personality. Now, I don't think all of these tests are, you know, 100% accurate or whatever. And obviously there are more aspects to everybody's personalities than four. But I think it's interesting to take these and find that out about yourself. So I, I know Peter has these four areas up. Can you, do you want to tell us a little bit about each of them really quickly? And then we can yeah. talk about where we scored. Yeah, for sure. We, we can do it pretty quickly. So the easy ones, excuse me, listeners, a little bit of a lost voice say the easy ones are both E and T we can think of or, or I and F. And so the first letter, you can either be an E or an I, which means extrovert or introvert. And I think our listeners are pretty familiar with that distinction. There's not much I can add to that really beyond that extrovert tends to be outgoing, gets your energy from spending time around people. Introvert gets your energy by being by yourself. T is thinking. And so you can either be a T thinking or an F feeling. And so that's whether you're guided by sort of, uh, you know, logic you know, thinking through problems or emotional responses to problems, thinking and feeling. And some of these might be oversimplifications, but given the time, we'll oversimplify. The other two letters, you can be either an N or an S. And the N is intuitive, actually, with the I. Yeah, so N stands for intuitive, and S is for observance. And so the S is for observant. And so the, the main distinction there is people who are intuitive sort of try to create new ways or try to solve problems as they go. Whereas the quote that describes observant personalities is do what works. And so something that's established, something that you know is going to happen, you look at the world, you see what works and you do that rather trying to, than trying to imagine, you know, solutions. That's more of a, an end characteristic. And then finally, we've got judging versus prospecting. And so Judging is trying to make things as they ought to be. You're trying to move things as how you think the world should be. And then P is also sort of a, a, a prospecting, more of figuring things out as you go, more of, you know, trying to 
make the world, you know, one step at a time rather than getting towards the end. And so especially those two letters are a, a little bit more, you know, difficult to, to get a feel on. You might have to look it up a little bit by yourself, but you can think of P generally being more flexible, whereas J generally being more attached to a specific path when you're doing anything. Does that sound good, Justin? Yeah, I think so. And the test that we all took, you could take, you know, any listener could take, it's at 16personalities.com, the number one, then the number six, then the word personalities. And I'll just say that one of the other interesting things about the test that we take is that it doesn't just type you as, you know, I versus E, but it gives you a score so you can be very highly I or very highly E, or there might be one where, you know, you're closer to the median. Yeah, who would have guessed it that I scored high on the extroverted 92% and A in some people's uh, minds, but on, and then on my A score of assertiveness was 96%. So I would have never guessed that. <laughs> so maybe we should go through and say what each of us ended up as. So Russ, you mentioned you were in E and, and A. What, what was your, what's your total... I was uh, labeled the debater, which was ENTP and dash A. So the extroverted 92%, intuitive 80%, thinking 73%, prospecting 63%, and assertive 96%. And it said role of analyst and strategy, people mastery, I don't know, whatever all that, that means. So that, that was where I was at. And what about you, Peter? Actually, I had a very similar results, but basically a more mild version of the same thing. And so I was also an ENTP and with the A, though I'm not exactly sure what the A's and T's are all for really, but ENTP with a very low attachment to being either extroverted or intuitive and and a higher attachment to be uh, to being thinking and prospecting. And so I'm, I was in my 72% for thinking and prospecting, but only in the, the low 60s for being extroverted and an intuitive. So my EN is a little bit, you know, flexible or close to the line. My TP is very big. So uh, a debater. And what about Nate? Yeah, my code that I got was ESFPA, which means that I was an assertive entertainer. And the role that I was given is an explorer, which is pretty cool. <laughs> 91% extroverted, 76% observant, 67% feeling, 86% prospecting, and 60% assertive. Awesome. Well, I got INTJA, so assertive INTJ, and that personality type is architect. So it's strategic thinkers with a plan for everything. And I actually test in the high 90s for introversion. Hmm. And A's for intuitive, and then thinking is around 53%. So closer to the T, it's closer to, close to the F there also, and then uh, judging 61%. And I've actually changed over the past 10 years from testing as an INTP to an INTJ. So P's test, uh, some of the questions that they ask are things like, you know, have to follow a plan or do you like to go with the flow with things? And I, I actually think having had kids has pushed me um, <laughs> yeah. from P to more J because now like 
I have to have a plan for the day or else I don't, I just don't get anything done. So, but one of the things that happened when I read this, you know, my summary is that it said a bunch of things that made me laugh about myself. So uh, like, if you look at the summary for architects, so if they aren't known for being warm and fuzzy, they tend to prioritize rationality and success over politeness and pleasantries. In other words, they'd rather be right than popular. This may explain why so many fictional villains are modeled on this personality type. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unlike the very real villain of Dr. Clark. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then it, when it listed some strengths and weaknesses uh, uh, for me, I noticed that these were definitely my strengths and uh, especially my weaknesses. And, and even that, you know, when it says things about like uh, romantic relationships, I thought, Oh, this actually nailed me, you know, dead to the wall. Did you guys go all the way strengths and weaknesses and the, the entire description of your type, or did you just go through the introduction? And if um, you did go through it, did you feel like they, the description was pretty accurate or did it seem like somebody who, who wasn't you? So I've got it pulled up. I can't speak for us, but to, to give the quotes that uh, summarizes ENTP, which it does actually work very well with me is an object's position arises within debaters as they are uncompromisingly on honest, but will argue tirelessly for something they don't actually believe in stepping into another shoes to argue the truth from a different perspective. I don't know if that works well with Russ, but I, I think I was somewhat notorious in doing this in grad school is I, I would adopt uh, unpopular views and debate from them for fun. And so I don't know if that describes Russ well, but that's yeah, definitely it, something I did. No, that was the thing I disagreed with that. I don't do that. Yeah. that I was actually kind of surprised when you told me you were an ENCP and we can get into this a little bit as we go on, because I haven't heard you do that before. Not that you couldn't. Right. But I can say, so strengths and weaknesses, you know, strengths, knowledgeable. I like to think that of myself. Sure. Uh, quick thinkers. I think if I did have a strength, it would be that I was a quick thinker can kind of come up with a plan on the spot. I think that's true of Russ too, which is why he tended towards this category. Uh, regional, excellent brainstormer, charismatic. I'll give that more to Russ than myself. <laughs> Energetic also to more to Russ than myself there. But weaknesses, argumentative, that's definitely true of me. Russ, would Dana say you're argumentative? Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so, really. Okay. I just, that's the part that, like, I could see you're more argumentative if you do take that devil's advocate position, because you yeah. just kind of want to argue, and that's not really me, I don't think. Yeah, sensitive. I think that yeah, I've been check. accused of that before. Oh, yeah, that one Dana would agree with um, big time. Okay. Intolerance. Unless people are able to back up their ideas in their round of mental sparring, debaters are likely to dismiss not the ideas, but the people themselves. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think I do that. I, I think I maybe am a little guilty of that. <laughs> uh, difficult to focus. That's absolutely true of me. Dislike practical matters. Uh, that's true of me, too. So, uh, yeah, so some of those weaknesses are spot on, even more so than the strengths, I would say, for myself. Yeah. And I, so for Russ, in summary, you you disagree with the fact that, that it said you were argumentative. You want to argue about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, dang it. That's, that's not fair. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think the last one, disliking practical matters too. I, uh, that's not really me either completely. And maybe it's because I scored a lot stronger on those categories I, than Peter did. Peter yeah, was more so, middle of the road with his 60% in 
in most of those categories. Yeah, I think we have really interesting breakdown between Russ and I, but because you can see the aspects of ENTP that deal with me, like the love of arguing and those sorts of things are more in the categories that I was strong in TP, but the parts of like, you know, being charismatic, there are a couple other strengths that seems to go along with you. Energetic, that's also very much Russ. I mean, those are very much in the EN category. And so the areas where Russ was really strong, those strengths are pretty correspondent to those areas. Whereas the areas I was strong, my, the strengths that match up with me tend to go uh, into those areas. And so I think it might've had something to do with you being so strong in some things that you sort of pulled other things along with mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's probably fair. All right, well, that looks like a good spot for our first half, and uh, we'll be back in just a bit to explore more on this, on why we're doing it. We want to tie in some of the things that, hey, we're all different, and economists have something to say about comparative advantage and how that can make life better, and the Bible also has something to say about that, so we'll hit that in just a bit. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support our work, please consider a one-time or reoccurring donation. Please visit donate.123povertysucks.org. The Gordon Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom, justice, and its impact on human flourishing. If you or someone else you know is looking for a college like that, contact Peter or Russ or Justin today. Don't forget to check out our show notes for this episode at podcast.123povertysucks.org. All right, welcome back. So we need to rehash a little bit here on Justin and Nate's, what they agree with, what they don't, and and then roll into maybe how this applies biblically, look through a biblical lens as well as then an economic lens. So Justin, what did you think about yours? Yeah, so I'll skip to my weaknesses. They were arrogance, dismissive of emotions, being overly critical, being combative, and being romantically clueless. Um, <laughs> and I think that those are pretty Spot on with my weaknesses, probably like a social social awkwardness um, would go in there too. But I think about you know just focusing on like the romantically clueless part. My two most successful relationships, you know, my uh, my wife and uh, you know the longest romantic relationship I had before that were both with people that I had worked with for a while and that had to tell me very forcefully that they were romantically interested in me because I was absolutely <laughs> clueless that that was going on or a possibility or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I really see myself in these uh, weaknesses. What about you, Nate? Did you? Uh... Yeah, I did. I really actually did. I was surprised. And I was reading them off to my, my parents uh, last night. And they were like, oh, my goodness, this sounds like you. So as the entertainer, I had different strengths. So there's like bold, original showmanship was a big one. My mom started laughing because whenever I score a goal or anything in soccer, it's like it's got to be a show. So I'm just flaunting off, looking at the other team, <laughs> making an airplane, like just anything I can do to be just that guy, you know, who has to put on a show after he does something pretty cool. There's practical, observant, and then good people skills. So I thought those really pertain to me. And, but then there's some weaknesses that also did, which is I'm sensitive, <laughs> conflict averse, and then I'm super easily bored. Is all, every day I'm extremely bored. It, it takes a lot to get me to not be bored. I'm a poor long-term planner, which also is, fits me. I do not have a planner or plan anything. I'm more of a spontaneous person. And then unfocused is my other weakness. But then the romantic relationships, 
I, I clicked that one. And it was funny because it's kind of true, which is sad, but entertainers aren't really into dating because they, <laughs> for it says, entertainer personality type relationships aren't about slowly building foundations for the future or planning out a life. They are bubbly, unpredictable things that to be enjoyed as long as there's enjoyment to be had. Here today, gone tomorrow. So if I'm trying to date a girl and there's no more fun or enjoyment or we're not going on the craziest fun dates, I, I don't think there's anything there anymore. So I stopped talking to him. So I need to work on that. But that's my romantic relations, which is funny. It's here today, gone tomorrow. I'm just there for the bubbly moments. So one thing that I think is interesting is that I think certain professions and even certain ideologies, uh, certain types gravitate to those. So it's interesting that our two economists both tested the same, right? And even, you know, INTJs and ENTPs, so I'm the INTJ and the, uh, Peter and Russ are the ENTPs, we, uh, those four types fall under a broader type called analysts. Um, mm-hmm. And I think yeah. analysts typically, I think they're overrepresented in academia. Um, yeah. And I actually think INTJs, which I am, are overrepresented in what might have been called like, uh, you know, new atheism of the Sam Harris yeah. type. Um, and I think the reason for that is because INTJs are very, very dismissive of uh, believing things for anything other than um, individual rational reasons. And so they are sympathetic to the type of argument that um, someone like, you know, a Harris or a Hitchens puts forward. Now, I, uh, I used to be in that camp myself, and I, I don't think those arguments work ultimately anymore. But I think that it was that aspect of my personality that drew me to it. Yeah. So I think what's cool about this is that it really just shows the depth of how people are different. It's kind of fascinating to me. I assume some psychologist or somebody put this stuff together and have spent hours and hours of research on the number of different levels there are, the complexity of it. Yeah. Yeah, I so let let me interrupt here as a debater now and say that I'd like to argue a little bit with the personality test literature in general or personality literature in general. And so I I'm an economist here and the first thing that I'd always say is I'm always really skeptical and we maybe even sense a little bit of this with Russ and I's scores like you know whether or not they they're perfect descriptions and obviously they can't be perfect but even good on some level. I'm always a little bit hesitant when it comes to anything that's done by survey result. Because I think that, like Justin said, people don't know themselves very well. And I do believe that on an intellectual level that people don't really know necessarily what their motivations are. Uh, And let me interrupt for just a sec that I remember back to our old podcast that maybe people can reference back to on Justin's experiments on how people would torture people under the right circumstances. I think that was a good reflection, those experiments that we had. What were those called again, Justin? Um, that was the Milgram experiment. Yeah. Uh, the Stanford prison experiments. Yeah. So that, those really highlighted some of what I think Justin's saying and, and supports that we don't know ourselves as, as well. Yeah. And so I agree with that. And so the difficulty with these is maybe they help you label yourself in a way you don't understand, but all of these tests are based on questions. And so questions about you know, your desire to be like extroverted. Well, those are some that are like extremely subject to bias. I think that people like want to see themselves as an extrovert or an introvert. Uh, People usually self-identify as one of those things. And so I think actually assessing whether or not someone is that thing, because it's such a pervasive thing that we know in the culture, everyone understands that there's these two categories. I think it's actually impossible. 
Like it'd be, it'd be very difficult, I think, to craft a question about someone's personality that they don't realize they're being tested for introversion or extroversion. And so I think a lot of times people sort of design what they want to be in these tests. But I will also say, I don't think that's useless knowledge. Uh, at the very least, the tests tell you something along the lines of what a person wants to be like, uh, maybe, or how they want to self-identify, uh, even if they don't know the outcome. Justin, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts on uh, personality tests in general, and specifically Myers-Briggs? I press back on you a little bit, because I know when I first took the test, I thought, I thought of myself as an, as an extrovert, and it was kind of news to me that I was an introvert. And I would say I probably prided myself on my ability to, you know, speak publicly and that, or that kind of thing, things that I associated with being an extrovert. And I think some of these questions on the introversion, extroversion one are worded such that they do get at a, an, a more objective view than I think a subject would be, I think it's more objective than your criticism alleges. So like the extroversion questions are things like, you know, more about like how you get your energy rather than asking, hey, do you consider yourself an introverted or an extroverted person? So I, I do think there is some substance to your uh, critique, but I, I also think that this test tells you more than what you want to view yourself as. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, ultimately, I think that there's some sort of mix going on. Um, and, you know, the one other issue I have with personality tests is not actually in the tests themselves, but how people take them. I think a lot of times people view these things as like, you know, it tell it describes something about what you are in some sort of immutable sense. You know, you've got a piece of your character called a personality, and we can now effectively describe it. I don't think personality tests make that claim, by the way. But I think that that's one of the reasons I dislike personality tests is a lot of people like identify people who take these tests like, oh, well, I'm a debater. So I do this, this and this. But ultimately, I think there's a lot more choosing that goes on than that. And I think there's, you know, changes over time. The first time I took this test, I was an INTP. So I close to ENTP and I've been an INTJ and an ENTJ. And I, so I've gotten different things. There's some consistency, of course, <laughs> across them, but I dislike the perception that like personality tests tell you something like height tells you something. That's one of the things that I dislike is like, if you're really tall, you'll be a good basketball player. I don't like the idea. If you're an ENTJ, you'll be a really good leader. I don't think that's true. I think that overclaims what personality tests can actually tell us about a person. Yeah. It's a lot more complex maybe than that. Justin, you made me think of yeah. longtime listeners might remember Jason Dawes, our former graduate assistant and she called herself an extroverted introvert, and I had to look it up again, but I, I kind of knew what she meant. But uh, I'm thinking that that might apply to you, Justin, that you're kind of an outgoing introvert. She was in debate, and so it surprised me when she said she was an introvert because she's you know, putting on performances in debate. So it's like you can make an effort at it, but you're really at, an introvert at heart. Yeah, exactly. I think I, so. This is this comment's right in line with what you're both are saying. So I do agree that you shouldn't view these aspects of yourself as immutable. And I do think that, you know, for me, at least one of the most helpful things about this test is identifying areas where I could improve, right? So there's a tendency, you, you don't want to take this test and say, well, um, it looks, this uh, says that I can be pessimistic. I guess that's just the way I am. I'm a pessimist, right? 
what this highlighted to me was, oh, that, you know, there are actually some areas where other people have a better skill set than me in these areas. So mm-hmm. one of the things I always say is if you test as I, I and if you test as an introvert at all, one of the best things you can do is get a job in the service industry because it will force you to establish some uh, soft skills that probably don't come very naturally to you. Sure. All right. So I want to bring a little bit of circle this around uh, faith and, and maybe some economics. So Peter, you got a Bible verse pulled up that I think maybe this is all part of God's plan on us being so unique and different. Sure. Yeah. We've got first Corinthians 12 and it's specifically verses 18 through 22. I think this speaks to variation that God has made and, and how that's good. It says that God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is one body. The eye can't say to the hands, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones that we cannot do without. And so from an economics perspective, the idea of comparative advantage is that we can specialize in what we're good at. And so you think about a, a company and you've got people who are extroverts and people who are introverts and all these various personality traits. And that's what really allows us to be efficient, that even if you're good at a lot of things, if you're doing something, you're not doing something else. And so that's kind of the lesson of comparative advantage, that life can be a lot easier and there can be value created through trade and specialization. And I think this helps highlight that. Yeah, one of the things that I think is interesting, it came up yesterday because my wife is a photographer and she was doing a photo shoot for a family and she said of the dad he had energy a lot like yours. I bet you guys would get along. And <laughs> my reply was, why would we get along if he was like me? And, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, my wife isn't like me and we get along. One of the things ab- about life is that people aren't all like you. And it's, you can have complementary characteristics. Introverts and extroverts often complement each other well uh, because they aren't trying to do each other's role all the time. So I always think that's interesting. And that, you know, for a long time, if you look at what describes INTJ, mine, it says like confident, uh, rugged individualism. And I often thought that society ought to be structured to promote confident, rugged individualism. And then I get a test that tells me I'm a confident, rugged individualist. Well, fancy that, that I think society should be organized to reward (laughs) that I am, right? And so I think that's important to realize that not everybody's like you, and we need a society that allows everybody to thrive. Yeah, I I totally echo that. I think that just comes with age. Um, Certainly when I was a 20-something, I thought other people were like me, number one, but they just needed to strive better to become like me. And (laughs) once you've worked in an organization and you see other people bringing different skills to the table, and I've just really come to appreciate through my life experiences, how important that actually is. And, and then that builds a, a respect that maybe I didn't have in my younger years that I, that I do now. Yeah. And I actually agree with you, Justin, that, uh, you know, differences are, are tend to attract. And so I haven't had my wife take this test, but we'll, we'll do an experiment after this. I'll have her take the test. And if I had to guess, I, and I even wrote down the letters before I looked at, you know, how they characterized the profile on 16 personalities, but my guess is she would be an ISFJ, just like based on what I know about each of the categories. And I've looked at now these different you know, roles, and that's the defender, 
And the, the little icon they use for the defender is a nurse. That's what my wife's chosen profession is. I mean, she's a stay-at-home mom, but her degree is in nursing. And if she goes back to work, it will be in nursing. So, uh, you know, I, I assume that, you know, these traits that it's talking about involve, you know, sort of helping others, not really trying to be seen, but to help all those sorts of things. You know, that's how I, I see my wife. And so I, I do think opposites attract. So I guess that's like zero letters in common with me. So, so I think that that does say something that I don't think I couldn't have a healthy relationship with another ENTP because we would never stop arguing, I guess. All right. Well, that looks like a good place to wrap. Are there any uh, final words? I thought it was fun. Did you guys look at the, you know, they have like famous character or famous people with yours? So my, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. Elon Musk and Christopher Nolan, Michelle Obama and Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, who, of course, died syphilitic and insane. So if, <laughs> if I get uh, you guys, uh, your Ian. Yeah, we had the uh, Weird Al Yankovic uh, was one of them. Oh, no, I, uh, yeah, and it was also Kim Jong-un and Jeffrey Dahmer, I think. <laughs> oh, please. Uh, we got Jim Halpert in the office, the Joker and Batman. Yeah, there's all sorts of, so, uh, you know, they, there's, I, I think, a, a decent number Mark here. Mark Twain. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, I'm usually compared to, of course. So. Uh, I have Adele. Uh, Steve Irwin, Miley Cyrus, Adam Levine, Penny off the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> you strike me as someone who would swing from a wrecking ball. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a production of the Gortney Institute. We appreciate you all listening here. And uh, Ottawa University will continue to pump out some, some great uh, podcasts. And we continue to like to be diversified in what we do and have fun with it. So we hope you all appreciate it. And if you like what you hear, please uh, forward this along to some friends and give us a five-star rating. Other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.